Welcome, welcome, everyone. My name is Sonia Cotto, nurse anesthesiologist and host of the Psychedelic Healing Podcast. Today, I am honored to be with Jennifer Chesak. She is an award-winning freelance science and medical journalist and editor and fact checker based in Nashville, Tennessee. She has recently just published the Psilocybin Handbook for Women, How Magic Mushrooms, Psychedelic Therapy, and Microdosing Can Benefit Your Mental Health physical and spiritual health. Her work has appeared in multiple publications, including the Washington Post, Healthline, Better Homes and Gardens, and many, many more. Uh, before we do start, I do want to have this very important disclaimer. Psilocybin still is currently illegal in the United States federally. I know that the FDA has scheduled it as a Schedule One substance, which means no currently accepted medical use or and a high potential for abuse. We obviously know that this is not true. The research shows it. And Jennifer here is going to explain in detail how it benefits all humans, but especially women. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, first, I mean, my first question, why a book of just for women? Yeah, that is actually a really great question. And so one of the things that I realize is that, you know, there are several books out there about psilocybin and other psychedelics, but there, this is really the first book that explores psilocybin through the lens of women's health. And one of the things that I learned during my research was that women report more frequent use of some psychedelics than men. This is according to the 2020 Global Drug Survey. But when I dug a little deeper, I realized that it's that women are using psychedelics to self rather than for recreational purposes, whereas men tend to use psychedelics a little bit more recreational, recreationally. And so when we look a little deeper at this, I think it really kind of relates back to this idea that women often get left behind in the medical community. And so they're turning to psychedelics to help with certain conditions, whether that is PTSD. Women are two to three times more likely to develop PTSD than men. And most chronic pain conditions are more prevalent in people assigned female at birth. That's what I should be saying instead of just women. And often healthcare providers and people in general are more likely to take women's pain less seriously than the pain of men. So I think medical science has often underrepresented women or left us out entirely. You know, an interesting thing is that women weren't even included in early stage clinical trials until about the 1990s, which is pretty alarming when you think about it. And one of the stats that I love to throw out there that describes how this has impacted people, or at least illustrates how this has impacted people, specifically women being left behind in medical science, is that if we think about a condition like, um, well, sexual dysfunction, if we think about that, men had a drug for sexual dysfunction come on the market, the FDA approved Viagra in 1998. So, and at that point in time, we still didn't even have a complete picture of the clitoris. So the, the internal structures of the clitoris that didn't happen until 2005 when a woman scientist, she dug deeper and used MRI imaging to look at the full inner internal structure. So in 2005, we finally get this complete picture of female genitalia. Then fast forward, it wasn't until 2015 that we finally got a drug for female sexual dysfunction. So 1998, Viagra, 
nothing for women, not until 2015. That's crazy to me. So I really wanted to focus the book on women's health because we're very different than men. Our bodies are different. Fem- the female body is is different. And yet medical science treats us the same, which is problematic. So there are just potential differences in terms of um, what we're doing with psilocybin. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed uh, reading so much about it. When you kind of went deeper into women's health and and about the medicine, how is it impacted like with women's cycles and women's, you know, hormone levels, times of the month when they should be, you know, if considering dosing, like at what point in the cycle is it best for women? And then even in microdosing as well, is there changes in dosing that you'd have to consider? Yeah, absolutely. And these are great questions. So the first thing to kind of go over would be that we possibly have an entourage effect. Uh, Women do possibly have an entourage effect with our hormones. So the reason for that is so estrogen uh, affects serotonin, uh, the, the binding of the serotonin receptor. So it may matter in our cycle when we do take psilocybin. And I'll get into that in a second. But what we're what we're finding through preliminary research, and these are just case studies so far and anecdotal reports, is that psilocybin may um, help regulate the menstrual cycle if it's become dysregulated. So for conditions like premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD for short, or uh, for example, I, ha- I have endometriosis, and that's something that can cause irregularity with the menstrual cycle. So some case studies have come out where sometimes when people have taken psilocybin, their cycles have come a little earlier, and they've returned to a period of regularity after dysregulation or even absence of a period. So that's really fascinating. I hope researchers continue to look into this. And if people are kind of wondering about the mechanisms as to why psilocybin may have this effect with female hormones, it has to do with two axes in our bodies. So um, women are, for females, our cycles occur along the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, so the HPG axis. So as one hormone uh, releases, it tells another hormone to do its next thing, and that occurs along our cycle in terms of the follicular phase and the luteal phase with ovulation in the middle and the period at the end, right? So that's on one axis. And then if we think about our serotonin receptors, and we know that psilocybin is um, something that activates these serotonin receptors, that occur, the, the, uh, the activation of those serotonin receptors, that happens along what's called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, so the HPA axis. And what we know from studies independent of psilocybin is that these two axes interact with each other quite a bit. So um, when, we, when we're stressed, that can impact our menstrual cycle and the impact the uh, menstrual cycle can also make us more stressed at different times, you know, so these times, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So these axes overlap. And so we're still digging into this research to determine all of the logistics behind this in terms of when when you might take psilocybin during your cycle, when it's the best time. But I did talk to an expert on indigenous wisdom. Her name is Michaela De La Maico. She goes by Mama De La Maico on, on Instagram and such. So you can find her there. But she essentially helps people with wound care. And her recommendation is to, if you're going to do like a larger dose of psilocybin, so a trip essentially, if we want to say, 
you would want to try to do that closer to ovulation rather than closer to your menstrual cycle. And one of the reasons is that our bodies are needing a lot of energy during that time. And we kind of have a little bit of an energy depletion as we get closer to the, the menstrual cycle is what I mean. And closer to your menses essentially. And so it may make more sense during ovulation when we have a lot more energy in our bodies to do this trip because trips can be, you know, intense and challenging. And so you need that energy. And also another component with psilocybin is that a lot of people tend to do a, a fast of some sort before they journey. So it might be uh, the day of your journey that you might completely fast, or maybe even a few days leading up to it. And it's really hard to do that in that luteal phase. So that can be a challenge. But also our, again, our estrogen um, hormone can impact that the, the trip essentially. Then in terms of microdosing, which you also asked about, Mama De La Mico recommends that if you are going to try to microdose and see how that impacts your cycle, which is lots of people do, to give it three months time to see what transpires over that course of time. So if you just microdose for a month, you might not get those full effects. But if you do that for the three months, then that can be really beneficial, potentially beneficial, I should say. Okay, so doing it for three months, the microdosing, but at what interval? I guess everybody has, because that's different intervals as far as some people do five days on, two days off, three days on, three yeah, days off. Yeah, so... Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And you could pick your protocol. So there are different protocols in terms of microdosing and try different ones. And it might be good to keep a journal during that time as you're microdosing to see the effects. And I would follow the same protocol, whatever protocol you choose in terms of microdosing. I would, you know, follow that same protocol for three months doing the on and the off time. And, and then if that one didn't work for you, maybe try a different protocol. So there are a couple of protocols that I outline in the book. Okay, beautiful. And, and then also for if someone is going to do a macrodose, it's recommended to do it during ovulation, then not, yeah, or not right during your uh, period time. Okay, correct. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure and emphasize that what's best for everyone, because you definitely want to protect the body there. Yeah, beautiful. And so I read your intro where you were, you know, suffered from health and misdiagnosed and mistreatment and just pretty much gaslighted in your your sense and then you found cannabis and how did you then find psilocybin yes i've been really curious about psychedelics in general had been doing a lot of research on psilocybin and so i just decided to dive in with my own journey with that and i did full trip it was a two-day retreat that I, I worked with an underground guide his name is gabriel castillo and he runs uh finally detached as his company and he was fantastic so we did this journey and i certainly found some really great benefits with my health in particular um but yeah before that i I was I and I still do I try I use my microdose cannabis regularly and that's been really beneficial for me as well but yes going back to the idea of I have endometriosis that is a condition that affects one in ten people assigned female at birth occasionally that it can rarely affect men but it can so I just want to throw that out there but what's crazy to me is the um, you know given these stats of 10 percent of people of women have this condition, the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, only designated less than 0.1% of research funding 
for this condition in 2022. And that is crazy to me. So yes, I've been gaslit by the medical community constantly. Still get that occasionally. I'm fed up, really. Honestly, I'm just really fed up with that system. I do believe that psychedelics may have a lot of benefit for people like me. Beautiful. So do you find that the microdosing, the psilocybin helped with your endometriosis and the pain there, or is it really microdosing cannabis that's more pain control for you? Sure. That's a great question. So I think that microdosing the cannabis has been uh, more beneficial to me in terms of chronic pain. And I have not actually been regularly microdosing with psilocybin right now. I've just been kind of using my intuition in terms of when I want to take a really small dose. So I haven't dove into that as much as I would like to so far. But I did notice with the, you know, macro trip that I took, uh, after that, I experienced a reduction in menstrual migraine, which is also very related to endometriosis. And so I get menstrual migraines, they've, I've had a big reduction of the in those since I had recently I had a hysterectomy a few years ago, but I kept one ovary. So I do still have like a secret menstrual cycle that I don't ever really know about. But I get I do still get these menstrual migraines likely tied to my cycle. And I noticed a dramatic reduction in them after my macro trip. Now, certainly that could be related to something else. We don't know. We haven't done a study. I can't do a study on myself to determine that, but I had nothing else to attribute that to. So I was excited about that. Oh, that is amazing. I can't imagine suffering through migraines like that. How does psilocybin help in a affect and help women differently than it might? Well, I guess you already answered that because it's more recreational in men's use versus versus women, right? Um, so getting back into the, you know, your first psilocybin experience going to the ret- retreat, I do want to dive dip, deep into like the safety and, you know, the, the set and setting, you know, where people out in the community now and our listeners may be naive to this. Right. And it's so important. It's one of the most important things when someone's considering it. So what would you recommend for those out there that are pondering the experience? Absolutely. So set and setting are incredibly important during a first psilocybin journey, especially if you're doing a, a larger trip. And so just to give you a background on what I did was I hired an underground guide. We met at a cabin in the woods to do drugs, essentially, which sounds really <laughs> funny. But but I trusted this person. I had vetted him fully. He had vetted me, which is great. And then he also brought a female trips that are with so that I would feel very safe um, during this experience that can make you very vulnerable. And that's something that we could talk about later is the idea of consent and psilocybin sessions and, um, you know, just being aware of who's with you during those times. But again, I felt incredibly, incredibly safe with, with him. So, so it ended up being a, a good journey. We, I did, it was two days in a row that we, um, tripped and some of the experience that, that occurred for me were pretty, 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 profound, I would say. So, for example, one of the things that I noticed in the first night that I journeyed, and I did a cut, I would call this a very mini dose, it was about two grams, essentially, of psilocybin, and uh, felt a lot of cool things such as connected to all of the people I know and love, I felt 
threads of light connecting me there and things like that. So I was just, uh, I just wanted to give you a hint of the, the session that I experienced and how profound it was. There were some difficult things that also came up, but I felt incredibly safe. So going back to this idea of safety, um, I think it's again, really important to vet any practitioner that you're working with, whether that is a um, underground guide or a psychedelic uh, therapist, someone who does psychedelic assisted therapy, um, and then ways that you can vet them and feel comfortable. Certainly, there are lots of organizations out there that will share resources. So one one organization that just kind of folded, but they still have their social media accounts and things like that is Sisters in Psychedelics. So they are constantly sharing resources with each other. And um, there's Moms on Mushrooms, also sharing resources with women who might be, especially mothers who might be interested in trying a journey, things like that. But so I would, I would certainly try to find someone that uh, someone else recommends. The other thing that is important is um, having a session with that person before you actually do your psilocybin session. So that might be over Zoom, just so that you can get their vibe, get a feeling for them and feel very safe. But in terms of going back to this idea of set and setting, so set is your mindset when you're going into a psilocybin journey. And then um, your setting is really obviously your surroundings. So, and these things are incredibly important because you don't want to be in an environment where um, you might be overstimulated. I know some people take psychedelics at festivals, but I don't necessarily recommend that. I think you're going to have a better experience if you do it in a more controlled, safe environment, whether that is um, in your, in your backyard or, uh, you know, at a cabin in the woods, something like that, that where you're more contained. And the reason that set and setting are important is if you put a little time into those things, you tend to have a better journey. This is what the research kind of shows. If, um, and that doesn't mean that you have to go into a journey with this set idea of what's going to happen. In fact, it's better if you don't, but in terms of mindset, more so opening yourself up to the idea of this journey and letting the medicine take you where it's going to take you. That's going to net your best experience and setting. You just want to feel really comfortable. So that might be comfortable clothing, being in a clean environment, being outdoors where you can see nature, things like that. And doing a little preparation of your setting before you journey. Beautiful. Yes, definitely. The set. Um, you know, I have patients coming in very um, stressed and anxious, and I have to put them on listen to a meditation before we start their ketamine infusion. So that's, that's something that's very important. So going into set the mindset, uh, the setting, you know, I have had patients that describe and a lot of people, they talk about bad trips, there's really no such thing as a bad trip. It's the set and setting weren't appropriate. You were at a party with all these friends or not friends and all strangers and all of a sudden you have a deep experience that you need a guide somebody to to work through or you just need to be alone and you're at a party right Absolutely. so that's where setting and set is very important for these and that's where it's different with uh, men and women because men are going to obviously put themselves in that situation more because they're doing it <laughs> recreationally right um, right so beneficially like women will definitely have that more of a therapeutic effect as well um, you spoke of dosing and you said two grams. So I've had patients that have reported two grams as being a lot for them. So it really is important as well, you know, because there's so many different variations of psilocybin mushrooms. So having somebody that is also familiar with the medicine and your guides, you know, knew that that was appropriate for you, you know, and that was 
very beneficial as well. Yeah. So that first trip, that first night that I was there, you know, that was a two gram thing. And then I probably had about 3.5 grams the next day. And that was a pretty significant trip or that, you know, the dosage led to a very significant trip where I did have a challenging experience, but it was highly beneficial to sit with that challenge because on the other side, there was such a reward of understanding the tools that I have within myself to cope. And and, and I was really focusing, the focus there was I've struggled with this idea of losing my parents one day. So I'm 44, my mom is 80, and my dad is just a few years younger. And this has been something that's really stressing me out in, in middle age is this idea that someday I will lose them. That's just this circle of life. And it's really hard to face that. And it causes me so much stress and anxiety or used to. Now, after having done that psilocybin trip, that's what I was kind of focusing on there when I had this really challenging experience. Um, Getting to the other side of that taught me that I do have the tools to cope with this life challenge that I will eventually face. It's still going to be tough, but I have a support system and I have the tools within me to get through it. And I didn't feel that before. And so I've had such a relief with the anxiety since then. Beautiful. And how was the, you know, other must-haves is obviously the integration aspect, right? So how did that play out in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So we integrate, we did a little bit of integration immediately after the session. So I came out of this sort of challenging experience. I was coming down from the tr- my guide and my trip center and I, we sat around a bonfire and it was a gorgeous day again in the mountains, in the woods. They let me just sort of spill my guts about this experience. And it was so beneficial to talk through it with people, but not only to talk through it with people, with just people and general, it's important to talk through sessions like that with people who understand psychedelics. So there are a lot of communities out there that do this integration with each other. There are some, I know there's some in Canada, there's some in New York, you just have to find your people that also know about psychedelics. And there's a lot of online support. So it's not that you necessarily have to go to these group sessions in person, although that can be really great. But you will find support out there with people who do understand psychedelics. And it can be just so beneficial to talk through your journey. The other thing that you can do is journal with what you journal after your experience and determine what you learned and you it continues to evolve i am still learning from that particular journey to this day i get new things that pop up i write them down i keep track of that but yeah integration is so important because as one of my experts in the book that i interviewed said uh if you don't use it, you kind of lose it. So if you aren't tuned into what happened during your journey, um, then it may not have that much of a benefit. But if you can focus on what you learned and then integrate that into your life, whether that's making a change in some type of behavior or whatever it is, then you get the benefit. Beautiful. Yes, yes. And definitely with integration, I know in your book as well, there's sometimes you had beautiful experience and rough, you know, stuff to work through but sometimes especially with people that have gone through trauma or sometimes not even aware of it you know you really need that integration because what if something comes out for you that you had no memory of and how do you get absolutely that right mm-hmm. and i think you definitely had a lot of support in yours like reading through your experience i i love that aspect just you sharing your stories and you actually had some other stories as well about other um women that had gone through other disease processes 
I don't know if you wanted to share with them, you know, because you personally, you know, went through the menstrual migraines and then the endometriosis. But what are there some other female um, treatments? I mean, not yeah. treatments, but um, things that we suffer from that the psilocybin has helped them through. So yes, I included, uh, it was three different chapters, women and their experiences. One woman, um, and she was actually my trip sitter. So that's why I interviewed her because her story is so fascinating. She healed from eating disorder. So she growing up was a, a ballet student and competitively and, you know, doing shows and things like that. And her ballet instructor would weigh her every time they had practice and and whatnot and that was just very damaging to her and she went on to develop um what i what i would describe as anorexia and when she then later as an adult did psilocybin with her son who was her guide at the time and she was able to basically heal this eating disorder it's not present for her anymore. The only way that it's present is that she brings up that journey or she brings up the, the, the trauma of that to discuss it with other people. So obviously she still thinks about it, but it's not something that she's struggling with in terms of food or exercise anymore. So that was really fascinating. And there is some research coming out. Eventually we're doing some clinical trials right now, not myself personally, but the researchers out there are doing clinical trials on psilocybin for anorexia. And there's some interesting uh, science behind the idea of that sense of self that we keep in our brains and how psilocybin can impact that and how that sense of self can be distorted in terms of an eating disorder. So that was one person. Uh, another person that I interviewed was Hilary Agro. She is a staunch advocate about um, decriminalization and stuff like that for psilocybin, but also other drugs as well. And so she was a fantastic person to talk to. And one thing that she noted is, so she doesn't necessarily microdose uh, psilocybin to treat her ADHD. She has severe ADHD. She doesn't necessarily microdose for that purpose, but she's done some deeper trips and that has helped her work through some trauma associated with ADHD. One of the things that she describes is that growing up with ADHD can be very challenging because people get frustrated with you and, you know, in terms of your your struggles with executive function. So whether that's in schoolwork, sitting in a classroom, just being at home with your parents, there can be a lot of, it's not that people are trying to inflict trauma on you, but they're trying to get you to act in, um, in the, in a way that they think is normal and they think you're not acting normal when you have ADHD for lack of a better way to explain it. But she said it, that psilocybin helped her work through some of that trauma that she held from growing up with ADHD and trying to live in this world that people, you know, really want you to focus or to, to be a certain way, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm just getting rid of, uh, getting rid of those stories and heal from them. Absolutely. And then the third woman that I interviewed, she has been using psilocybin for anxiety and somewhat with depression as well. And she's done several journeys. And she said that this is that psilocybin has really helped her learn to manage that anxiety in a new or different way. She also talked a lot about being in a as a as a couple she's married and journeying together with her husband and how that has made them closer so i thought her story was also fascinating no that is very that's beautiful to be able to do it together and and heal and probably connect yeah the connection can be pretty profound i would think 
Perfect. Well, we're nearing the end, but I did want to still touch base on some dosing aspects for the um, mm-hmm. people out there as far as like microdosing ranges. And then we kind of touched on the macro dosing, you know, if you're going to do a bigger trip, I would say, you know, anywhere from like, I would say maybe one and a half grams, maybe starting to, and then you were saying three and a half. And of course the guide would know the, the strain of the mushrooms, the strength, you know, so they would really be able to guide you specifically on that. But for those wanting to, let's say microdose, there's so many different, I guess, dosing ranges, but what did you find in your research? Yeah. So a microdose is generally a really small dose and it doesn't have these perceptual effects traditionally. Some people might go a little higher with a microdose so they do have some perceptual psychedelic effects, but um, I would say anywhere from 0.1 to 0.5 grams is generally considered a microdose. When you get closer to that 0.5 grams, you might have a little bit of psychedelic effects such as visuals or um, feeling a little bit of that euphoria that you might you know, notice, but with a microdose, the there's, you know, this sense of you don't really know that you took it other than you might feel better in terms of anxiety or whatnot that might be going on with you. Um, so that would be a microdose. And then there's also what's called a mini dose. And so that can be anything from 0.5 to, you know, maybe one or two grams, I would say. And, uh, you know, then again, you're going to have some psychedelic effects, but it, you aren't going to be full on tripping your brain out or something like that. So you might, you'll still be able to, to function. You shouldn't be driving or anything like that on that higher of a dose. Yeah. And then there's larger doses. What what, that would be for what, just going into a meditation or just inner work space. Yeah. You could do it with a mini dose. You could do um, a several hour session of just kind of meditating, journaling, inner work, thinking. Again, you might not necessarily want to be working at your job on that dose. So you'd want to keep the to the microdosing for, you know, your general functional life. But yeah, you could do a, a mini dose for sort of a mini experience. And then of course, you can go a little deeper with, you know, two to 3.5 grams being a larger dose. And then there's what's also called a heroic dose. And that would be more like five grams or more. And I've known people who've done heroic doses, but I don't think that's the right thing to do for your first psilocybin experience you're going to want something you know one to two to three grams beautiful yeah so you've given us so much beautiful information thank you so much you know for those out there it's it's very important so for the women we all know that if we're going to be experimenting and um, searching we would want to do it during our um, when we're ovulation ovulating phase right and Mm -hmm. then always trusting our guides trusting our source you know, discussing and meeting them ahead of time. So you feel trusted, right? And then really having that integration support, having a therapist and integration, which are two separate things, right? There's, there's understanding psychedelics, and then there's a therapist, which is great if they understand both, right? Yes, absolutely. But I will say that my my guide was so knowledgeable that he worked really well as a I mean, he's not a licensed therapist, but he, he treated me as if we were having a little bit of therapy, I would say. So, but yes, you can find therapists that actually are smart about integration and understand these things quite well. Yeah. It's so funny. You mentioned that because the integration coach that we have, Julie Clark here in our clinic, she's not a licensed therapist, but wow, our patients love her. It is, it is a great experience because they do understand the medicine. They do understand 
the, the neural pathways and the releasing and how the body keeps the score. The body keeps the score. That's for yes. sure. A different book, yes. but an important one. <laughs> yes. So Jennifer, if other people, um, if people out there want to reach you and find your book, how can they contact you? So my book is available anywhere books are so sold. So that's easy. Uh, so you can order it from your favorite independent bookstore, which I always recommend rather than the big A, which whom shall not be named. And then you can, you can find me in terms of all my socials are the same. It's at Jen Chesick. So whichever social, you know, platform that you use, you can find me there. So it's at J-E-N-C-H-E-S-A-K. Beautiful. So everyone, and especially women, if you're curious, check out the psilocybin handbook for women, how magic mushrooms, psychedelic therapy, and microdosing can benefit your mental, physical, and spiritual health. That is all. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining me. And I hope everyone has a beautiful day. 